0: Welcome to Annasbrook Church. We hope this message from our Nelson City location pastor, Shannon Johnson, empowers and encourages you. To hear more from our church, make sure you subscribe or visit our website at annasbrook.co.nz for a service near you. Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to church. How are we doing this morning? You doing well? Why don't you turn to the person next to them, just give them a big high five and let them know I am glad to be sitting next to you this morning, and I'm glad that you chose to come to church this morning. So good, let me introduce myself. My name's Shannon, and along with my wife, Danielle, we're the location pastors here at Annalsbrook in the Nelson City Center. Uh, You may or may not know this, but we are one church in multiple locations. So this morning as we're gathering, uh, we also have friends and family that are gathering out in Stoke um, and also some friends up in Wellington who are together. So it's great to be together with, uh, I guess, nuclear family, but it's so awesome to be part of an extended family uh, right throughout the city and in Wellington. So my word, my word, so good. Well, this morning, uh, we're going to continue our theme of survival mode with a strike through. And uh, who knows that uh, in life and in Christ, we're not just looking to survive, but we believe that through the life, the death, the resurrection, and the ascension of our Creator, our Lord, and our Savior, Jesus Christ, uh, we should know what it is to actually be able to thrive. Um, not just in some situations, but in even the tough seasons. And this is like a pre ramble before I even get to the title of today's message, because in this whole idea of uh, survival mode with a strike through, you know, I've been talking to a few different people, and, um, you know, the reality is every single one of us in this room are actually experiencing a different season in this season. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Uh, in the room, there's people, and they're like, oh, Shannon. Why are we talking about survival mode? Hey, can't we just get on with it? Life is fine. And all I can say is if life is going good for you in this season, if you've got nothing to worry about, if you're like all sunshine, rainbows and daisies, butterflies and pink things, unicorns and jelly beans, we're actually really happy for you and we pray that it may continue. But I want to let you know there are people in the room that are actually going through some really, really tough things in this season. Um, you know, we've got people in uh, our church whanau that are actually going through some like really, really tough seasons in the context of what has been a tough season. Um, you know, I think, you know, like for a start, Crystal lost her granny this week, had to say goodbye as she passed through from, you know, this side of life to the eternal side of life. And, you know, that's tough you know, seasons like that. So, you know, obviously our thoughts and our prayers are with you, Crystal. And, uh, you know, it's so hard to say goodbye, but we know it's really just see you, so- see you soon. Vonda was an incredible woman and uh, we'll all see her when we're in heaven. But, you know, we don't want to move on too quickly when we're having a good time, when there's people that are going through a rough time. You know, it's very easy to focus on the good stuff in Scripture sometimes and create a narrative that's overly triumphant. But actually, when we read Scripture, we realize that, yes, in Christ we are triumphant. But sometimes the victory that we're going to experience in totality is not this side of existence, but it's actually the future, like in the second life to come. And I say that because, you know, there are some people going through some tough times and suffering. A little sentence we never thought would hear, uh, and then we did, no jab, no job. It's easy for those of us that, say, have chosen to be vaccinated, but it's real tough for those in our church family that have decided not to, and that, you know, in the next season are actually looking at handing over their jobs. Um, that's real tough. Our thoughts are with you. Um, you've got to know, we, we don't want to move on so quickly that we don't acknowledge that actually... We need to, uh, you know, <laughs> be supportive of everyone in the good times and the bad. We're all one in God. Exactly right. And, uh, you know, I just got a text message. You might not want to hear this at all, but someone was texting. They left me a call, and I was like, oh, I didn't get back react to them. I probably should. I was like, is everything all right? And they're like, yeah, not coming to church this morning. Um, just received a letter saying that someone is in their workplace um, that might have a weak case of COVID, and so they've decided to stay at home. And just so you know, they live in Nelson. <laughs> you know, sorry to be the bearer of potential bad news, but we knew it was coming. I literally, you know. <laughs> Mic drop. Hey, here you go. Enthusiasm grenade. <laughs> I could actually go through the list, right? I know that there's people in our church, family that... I- they're struggling with some really tough relational stuff in this season. And so I say that as a prequel to the message because if you're here this morning, then you're feeling full of faith, then you're feeling like everything is good, I wanna say wonderful. But I wanna remind us this morning that when we are strong, our strength is there so that we can serve others. And when we are feeling weak, our strength is found in leaning on our brothers, right? So that together we can know what it is to go through together. And uh, so this morning, uh, I want to talk about this idea, this theme of survival mode with a strike through. And the title of my talk is The Problem or the Promise? The Problem or the Promise. What did you want to be when you grew up? Do you remember as a child having like some crazy occupation, something that you wanted to be when you grew up? Okay. Okay, Donna wanted to be an astronaut. Uh, that is awesome. Still time. <laughs> okay, Donna went to the Navy instead. Uh, who else? Anyone remember something? Like, what did you want to be? What was that like? They had a dream. Kim. <laughs> I, can't, I can't reach the overhead luggage, yeah. You've got, you've got this. Uh, hilarious. Uh, Rosie, she's our uh, Daniel and my three-year-old daughter. She's almost four. Uh, recently, she said, uh, when I grow up, I want to be a face painter. <laughs> and this is what I thought. I said, you know what? You go, girl. <laughs> hey, who knows? Hashtag Flossie. There is room in Nelson for more than just one face painting empire. <laughs> but uh, I think, you know, when I was young, There's a few things, you know, you go through different stages uh, and there's a few stages that I went through, but one of them was I wanted to be a spy. Um, I just thought it'd be cool to be a spy. Because when you're a kid, you never think about the consequences of getting caught behind enemy lines, right? You never get you. you think you look of all the cool stuff, the gadgets you get to use, and um, the fact that you know if there was a soundtrack for my life, I was convinced it was going to be the Pink Panther soundtrack. You know, you wouldn't be able to hear it, but in the head, my head as I was going around, I'd be like, you know, didn't 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 did didn't You know, I was convinced this was who I was going to be, and. Um, yeah. What's that? Spy. Spy for Jesus. Well, it's funny you make that transition because you're like, why are we talking about spies? And I want to read this morning a story from the Scripture about some spies. So if you've got your Bible, whether it's an e-book or a tree book, now would be the great time to pull it out. There's a few paper Bibles out there today. Grab your Bible, we're going to read. We're going to read a whole chapter of Scripture this morning. So um, get your phone out, get your Bible out, and we will read this together. Uh, Numbers chapter 13. I'll just give you a couple of seconds to turn there. As you do, let me give you the context for this piece of Scripture. this is happening in the transition of the Hebrew people. God has saved them and rescued them out of Egypt, uh, using Moses as the leader figure. He rescues them out of slavery in Egypt in the in uh, the in kind of this wilderness transitional season where God is wanting to transition them into the promised land of Canaan that He had promised for them. And um, it's real interesting this whole this whole idea of uh, God rescuing. The, Egyptian, uh, the Hebrew people, sorry, out of Egypt into the promised land. Because it's really a roadmap for, like, the discipleship journey. You know, as we're reading through it, even though it happened many thousands of years ago, and even though it was pre-Jesus, these were still the people of God. And as we read some of these things, we can actually gain great insight and glimpse into some of the, like, I guess, like themes and struggles that we ourselves interact with uh, as we are disciples and apprentices of Jesus uh, in this age. And so, this uh, story here, starting in chapter 13 of the book of Numbers, uh, says this read along with me. It says, The Lord said to Moses, Send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites. When do you catch that? That was a promise. The Lord said to Moses, send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites. That's a promise. And so at the Lord's command, Moses sent them out from the desert of Paran. All of them were leaders of the Israelites, and these were their names. I'm not going to read the names. There's a lot. And you don't know who they are, neither do I, it doesn't matter. We're going to skip right down to the bit after that. And it says, these 12 men, the tribe leaders, the clan's leaders, these are the names of the men Moses sent to explore the land. When Moses sent them to explore Canaan, he said, go up through the Negevna and into the hill country. See what the land is like and whether the people who live there are strong or weak, few or many. What kind of land do they live in? Is it good or is it bad? What kind of towns do they live in? Are they walled? Are they unwalled or fortified? How is the soil? Is it fertile or is it poor? Are there trees in it or not? Do your best to bring back some of the fruit of the land. It was the season for the first ripe grapes. And so they went up and they explored the land from the desert of Zin as far as Rehob towards Lehemoth, where they went through the Negev and came to Hebron. There Ammon, Sheshai, and Talmai, the descendants of Anak, lived. Hebron had been built seven years before Zoan in Egypt. And when they reached the valley of Ishkol, they cut off a branch bearing a single cluster of grapes. Two of them carried it on a pole between them and along with some pomegranates and figs. That place was called the Valley of Ishko because the cluster of grapes and the Israelites cut off there. And at the end of 40 days, which is a long journey, um, to give some context, we don't have a map, but these guys have walked like 400 kilometres one way and 400 back. So it is a lot of walking. At the end of this 800 kilometre round journey, they returned from exploring the land. And they brought a report. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. And there they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land which you had sent us and it does flow with milk and honey there is its, uh, here is its fruit, but the people who live there are powerful and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak living there. The Amicalites live um, in the Negev and the Hittites, the Jezubites and the Amorites live in the hill country and the Canaanites live in the sea and along the Jordan. So they're giving a report. You hear, it's not a good report. They're talking about all the stuff that is like problems in the land that God has promised them. But check this out, chapter 30, it says this. It says, And then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. But the, man, the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there were of great size. We saw the Nephilim there, descendants of Anak, who come from the Nephilim. And we seemed like grasshoppers in their eyes, and we looked to them the same. This is what happens. There's chapter 13. We're not going to keep reading because there's a lot of reading. But it's good to read the Bible, isn't it? Uh, these 12 spies go out. Eleven come back with a bad report. One comes back with a good report. Here's the thing. God had given them all the same problem, promise at the start we saw it. This is the land that I'm giving you. But here we have 12 people 11 of who only have eyes for the natural, whose hearts are full of fear, who look to the world and as a result, their report comes back in the negative. But only one person, Caleb, he sees exactly the same things, but he remembers the promise of God. And because of that, he knows what it is to kind of be the person who doesn't just see the problems in the natural, but he knows how to see through the problems to the promise that lies on the other side. Caleb, his heart was full of faith because he believed that what God had said was what God would do. And I reckon that's so fitting for us in this season because there is so many reports out there, you know, (laughs) things out there that are like, oh man, like this is not good, that is not good. And you hear so many people inside the church and out who are spreading this report that, to be honest, sounds like the 11 spies. It's not even that they're talking about things that aren't real. They're actually like articulating and talking about very, very real problems in the natural. The issue is they're using their voice to affirm the world's problems rather than using their voice to speak God's promises. And that's a tricky one. Because, you know, we don't want to be people that just close our eyes and pretend that we're not going through tough times. But we do want to be people that know what it is to be able to not just see the problems, but to see through the problem, to see the promise of God on the other side. Yeah. Yeah, bless the Lord. Right. I agree with you, Hamish. (laughs) Um, In this season, what's your report sound like? You know, if, if the confession of your lips, the, the confession of your self-talk was played out, you know, on a tape player this morning, would it be a report that's talking about all the problems or would it be a report that's amplifying the promise of God? What does it look like for us to be people? In chapter um 14, uh, I think verses 24, it actually goes on to say, you know, because here's what happened in the next chapter of that story. God was unable to lead the people through to the land he had promised for them. He's unable to. Not because he didn't want to, but because the people didn't want to go because of their fear. Crazy. Have you ever heard the story or the question said? Like people say it, kids say it, or people that are trying to be a little bit edgy and annoying say it. They're like, if God is all powerful and can do anything he wants to do, can he make a rock so heavy that even he can't lift it? (laughs) (laughs) The answer is yeah, he can. And he did. When he created humanity, He created humanity with free will and free sovereignty to choose to either accept him or reject him. And the heaviness of someone's sovereignty, God respects that so much that when someone decides to focus on the problems rather than the promise, God doesn't budge that rock. He whispers and he tries to call us in, but actually God respects our sovereignty. He respects our free will. And here we have this situation where the Israelites were unable to go into the land that he had promised. Not because God didn't want to take them there, but because they were unwilling to follow God into his promise. But it says this, it says, but because my Caleb, my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly. And I love that because I don't know about you, but I want to be the kind of person who's like Caleb. Do you wanna be a person who's just a mimic of the world? Do you wanna be a person who's just like an amplifier of um, problems? Or do you wanna be someone that carries a different spirit, that knows what it is to speak the promises of God in the good times, but also the bad times, that we would know what it is, that even when we are going through seasons that are tough, we can strike out that survival mode because we didn't just come here to survive, but we came here to thrive in our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Is this speaking to anyone this morning? Is this helpful? Is it a good way to frame up the conversation? It's, a, it's real tough, isn't it, when most of the conversations the church are having are political and scientific, but we're not talking theology, right? Isn't it crazy when the, the, the words that are coming out of people's mouths are so like, harsh and hateful and unkind when we're talking to the very people we're supposed to reach and love? oh man, I know it's hard, don't get me wrong. People so close to me have said some of the unkindest things that have hurt me so much, right? Because they've got different views. I get it, it's tough, but I'm not gonna play that game. I'm gonna be a man that carries a different spirit. Don't wanna be a man walking around pointing out all the problems. It's a lot of people that point out problems. You know what never save somebody? You know what never wanna encourage somebody? You never know what, like never elevated someone to a higher place? Someone who just walked around talking about the problems. I wanna surround myself with people that know what it is to have faith in the problem. I wanna surround myself with people that even though they might see the issues and the issues are real, their conviction and belief in the promise of God is greater than the problems that lie before them. You know what? It's it's friggin' tiring being that sometimes. Sometimes I just want to give up. I'm like, I'm done. I'm out. I'm going to join the 11. Let's go complain about some stuff. Oh, that sucks. Man, the government's so ruthless. (laughs) Actually, I don't necessarily believe that. I was just riffing, just so you know. (laughs) Like, be very clear. I'm not really saying anything. Um, But, you know, it's tiring sometimes. But I actually want to create an ecosystem and an environment around my life that encourages and elevates people and doesn't point to the issues, but actually points to the promise of God. You know, to survive and to thrive, you need the right supplies. I brought my backpack. This is legit my backpack. And uh, this kind of has the stuff that I pack on a day today, you know, bizzo to get through the day. I thought I'd just like have a little bit of Chantal, You know, I'm always interested. What's in other people's bags? <laughs> I know you've been sitting there wondering, oh, I wonder what Shannon carries around in his backpack. <laughs> I know you've never thought that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. mask. Yeah. Yeah. Little bike light, you've got to be prepared. Prayer list from John Gray. because He's always handing me notes of people he knows in his world that need prayer. Love that post-it notes, deodorant, headphones, <laughs> my favourite pen. <laughs> this is also a good pen, it's almost out of ink, it's a gel one, but I like that one, sometimes it's just the right pen for the job. My Air New Zealand pen, before the rebrand, in the original teal, with the original logo, and haven't fiddled with it so much I've snapped the, you know, bit off, like I'm very, very protective of that one. Um. <laughs> Clicker pencils are way better than, like, analog pencils. An eraser obviously goes with the pencil. Metal ruler, because, you know, it's metal, so it can be more than a ruler if I need to cut things. But don't need to worry, because I've got keys. With a knife, ready, self-defense. Wallet. More headphones. Do you lose coins, guitar pick, jersey, snacks, more snacks, bike lock, gloves for winter. Just so you know, like, I didn't put extra things in here just for this to be fun. This is like my day bag. Like I bike most places and this is what I take. I was prepared. You know, you see I've got my computer there, but the battery doesn't last forever. <laughs> We're almost at the end, I think. Water. And a book. It's actually Simon's book. The Elements of New Testament Greek. Wow. All right. Oh, there's more. <laughs> more headphones, third pair. <laughs> and plasters. Oh, and cards that don't make the cut for the wallet, but I don't know where to put them. Excellent. Good to know. All right. <laughs> but you've got to carry the right supplies if you're going to know what it is to thrive. You know, part of the reason that Caleb knew what it was to carry a different spirit is because actually in the backpack of his soul he had the right stuff. If you're carrying the right, wrong stuff, you're just walking around carrying dead weight. It's heavy. It's tiring. But man... If you're carrying the right stuff in your soul, you can know what it is to work further, walk farther, in faith, focused on the promise of God. There's a couple of things that I think we need to have in the backpack of our soul. First thing I think we should put in our backpack is a really good, healthy self-awareness. In this season, I think self-awareness is really, really key for a healthy soul. Just a couple of thoughts I wrote down on this was, you know, that which we're aware of, we can control. But that which we're unaware of, controls us. You know, we're, we're experts at looking to the sky and observing how the weather is changing and changing our plans accordingly. But we're not always so good at reading the changing weather in our soul. And one thing I've seen in this season is there's a lot of people leading the tornadoes within <laughs> out you know it's not helpful to repress what we're thinking and feeling but it's also not helpful to vent without thinking and I love this thought here friends it's better to be right I think, uh, sorry better than being right it's better to be kind I really think that's true better being heard it's better to listen I love what Ashley Bloomfield said in a lecture he gave recently, you know, talking about his experience. He was doing this, um, this lecture on faith and anxiety um, in a pandemic age. And he said this, he said, because he was talking about, you know, he's gone through some pretty stuff, crazy stuff over the season. He's been right at sort of front of the coal face with it. He was talking about his faith. And he said he'd always been a pretty high capacity person, but this, you know, season for, even for himself has tested him. And he said, resilience doesn't come from being infinitely strong. It comes from knowing one's limits. Like a rubber band, it's designed to stretch. But if you stretch it too far, it snaps. You know, when we stretch ourselves internally too far, we snap on the inside, which usually results in us snapping at others. But being self-aware of where we are at within ourselves, the health of our soul in this season, I think is a real key thing we need in the backpack of our soul and the survival kit of the soul. I've noticed a couple of things, you know, in this season for myself that I've added to my, I guess, like kit of self awareness. One is my soul cannot change at the speed society is demanding of it. (laughs) You know, you can go to work one day thinking everything's normal and then go home the next day and not go to work because you got told to stay home. My soul doesn't change that quickly. It's kind of like I'm an oil tanker, (laughs) but the world is expecting me to be a speedboat. Don't get me wrong, I can get the radius I can get the arc and I can get back when I need to be in time, but I just can't do it that quick and it's been helpful for me because I've realized that actually you know even though I'm feeling a little bit uncertain, <laughs> the uncertainty isn't kind of like on the existential level it's just I've got some internal lag and I will catch up. I realized that you know for me in this season my capacity i I didn't think it had shrunk in areas, but at times I found myself snapping. And I was like, what's going on? I don't feel like my capacity shrunk. I realized what had happened was my margin had shrunk. You know, I'm always someone who tries and packs margin into my world so that when I get to the end, there's a little bit more to give. You know, I don't don't want to flirt with the line line. I want to make sure I'm healthy. But I found myself realizing my capacity hadn't so much shrunk, but the margin at the end had. It's kind of like the fuel light on the car. You know, you get to the fuel light, it comes on, and I'm like, cool, minimum 50K to go, probably somewhere between 75 to 100, <laughs> right? Yeah, go." But probably in this season, I have to realize when the fuel light comes on, I've probably got like more like 20K to give. So just being aware of that, self-awareness, it's actually really, really helpful. So it means that I can stretch and I can serve people with my strength, but there's no use to anyone snapping yourself because when we snap, We snap. Here's a thought, you know, I guess with the like fuel light, when the fuel light comes on, how do you make the fuel last longer? A couple of things, you slow down and you fill up more often. I think another thing that we need to have in the backpack for our soul in this season, we need to know what it is to have a whole lot of Sabbath rest. Sabbath is not a reward for your work. When we make the mistake of thinking that our rest is earned and we rest to recover, rather than understanding rest is what we're supposed to do before the race that we run, running from rest rather than surviving, limping across the line to rest. I think we do a violence on our soul. Very, very spiritual and scriptural thing. God creates humanity on day six. What happens on day seven? Well, at 8 a.m., everyone's out the door because they got to your work. For the nine to five, no, day one, what happened? They rest, crazy, eh? God creates humanity and then the very first day they exist, it's not work, it's rest in God, in his presence in this garden temple, right? You gotta look after yourself. You know, as I was writing this, I actually felt nervous about telling you to like chill out and prioritise resting, because I know people in my life that literally don't do this, and they have such high capacities, and it's amazing. And I was like, oh, am I even allowed to say rest is okay? It's better than okay. It's needed. Yeah. When you get busier, you need more breaks. Do not think for a second that when the crunch comes on, you're going to get out of the crunch more effectively and more healthily by doing more. You will be far more effective if you actually take the time to go for walks, to pause regulate in your day, take deep breaths of oxygen, refocus your attention on God. You'll always get more done. I heard a quote this week from Mike Bickle. He's uh, he's like one of the senior leaders in I think the International House of Prayer uh, ministry in America. And he said this, he said, in the kingdom, there's two kinds of people. There's lovers and workers. And in the kingdom, Lovers always get more done than workers. You know, it's so easy to think we've got more and more to do, and so we're busy. We're even doing work for God. I'm doing this for the. I'm doing this for the kingdom. You know, I'm serving the people. It's like, but you get to the end of the day, and you're so tired, and you're so ragged. And do you know what? I think Jesus is happy, but I don't think He's that happy because He never called us to do work for Him. He called us to serve alongside him, with him. He's not our taskmaster, he's our saviour and our friend. And he says this, he says, find your rest in me and go from that place. You don't inspire anyone when you're tired and grumpy, frazzled out, I know I certainly don't. You know, Sometimes I'm like, I try and fake it, you know, because I'm like, I wanna be someone that's helpful. But if I'm honest, I'm like a duck scooting across the water, hey, gliding, you're like, But under the water, it's like the paddles are going crazy. Do you know what I reckon it's supposed to be like? The inverse of that. Under the surface, calm, because you know who you are. You know whose you are. You know for what you're called. You don't see the promises. You do see the promises, because you're not focused on the problem, right? You can see through it. Not chaos under the surface, calm. I really think that in our backpack of our soul, we need to remember it's important for our well-being to put Sabbath rest in that. You cannot serve someone with something you don't have. The greatest thing you can offer those you love and lead is a healthy and growing you, right? And if you're struggling, please ask for help sooner. You think, you think you're way better at solving your own problems than you are, just so you know. hey. Sometimes we delay getting the support we need. I don't know why, maybe we're not self-aware or maybe we're a little bit pride. You know, we don't wanna let people know. Let people know that you need some help and support if you do. Third thing I reckon we need in the backpack of our soul is the scripture. Fancy that, come to church and get told to read your Bible. (laughs) But here's the thing, you won't know what the promises of God are if you don't encounter the voice of God right? You know, we hear people talk about, oh, God said to me. And if you've ever wondered what that looks like because you've never heard the audible voice of God, that's fine. I don't know anyone who's actually heard the audible voice of God. Hearing the voice of God is code for a couple of things. It's code for hearing who God is and what He's doing through the story of Scripture and also listening to the prompts and the deep core of your soul where the Holy Spirit is helping you see the world through the way God has illuminated the world in Scripture, Right? If we wanna know what the promises of God are, we've gotta listen to the voice of God. And the primary way that we hear the voice of God is by reading the Word. But here's the thing, we don't just read the words with a little W. You know, our goal is not to encounter just the ink that's stamped on a page so we can encounter some good ideas that we can add to our arsenal of intellectual ascent. The goal of reading the book is not to encounter the words, but it's to encounter the author. Not just the author of some books, but the author of life. Not just the written word, but the living word. We pick up the scripture, and we read it, we see what God has been doing since the dawn of creation. And it brings incredible context because we're going through some tough stuff in this season. This book promises you will. Humanity always has. The difference is when we go through the valley of the shadow, we don't do it alone. We don't have to rely on our own strength. The Holy Spirit is with us. Promises that no heart, no harm, that no matter how hard the struggles we might face in this age are, the victory has been won. And in the second life, when we spend eternity with our God, there are no issues. There is no pain. There is no suffering. Scripture. Final thing I reckon we need in the backpack of our soul the Spirit, the Spirit of God. You're never alone. He's always with you. But we become so distracted by all the noise around us that we forget to listen to the voice within the Holy Spirit we've got our backpack on and it's full of problems, full of woes, Oh, we're perspiring, we're tired, we're weary. It's hard. But when we take all that out, we fill it with the promises of God. I think it's so important we know what it is as we go throughout our day to really learn how to practice the presence of God not just something we experience in moments but something we're continually practicing so that actually we can be aware of his presence through every moment of every day you know if you've ever seen the framework for learning like the four stages you know you kind of go from the unconscious incompetence to conscious incompetence to conscious competence to unconscious competence, to unconscious competence. Right. you don't know what you don't know you know what you don't know <laughs> You're trying to know. And now you know. And now you know without thinking. Same way in the natural. You know, learning to drive a car. Bunny hopping. Stalling. We don't do that today. You know, we don't even look at the gear knob as we're shifting. Because we drive automatics. <laughs> Manual? Nice. Ah... Uh, But it's actually the same with our spiritual walk. We have to learn how to practice the presence of God. It sounds rudimental, like, you know, it kind of almost sounds too crude to put it that way, but I can promise you, you're practicing something. Wherever you're investing and diverting your focus and your energy is what you're practicing. It's so easy to find ourselves caught focusing on the problems which lead to stress and anxiety and angst. But in that, we've got to learn how to stop, to pause, to take deep breaths of oxygen and draw close to God again, giving Him everything. God, I give you everything. You know, it's like, it's only 10.30 in the morning. I'm sitting in my office. I should be doing more things, but God, I'm taking 60 seconds just to become aware of your presence. Thank you that my faith in your promise is greater than my feelings of anxiety right now because there's a lot to do today. God, I give you everything. God, I give you the task and the day that lies before me and I invite you into it. I give you my worries like I've already completed them, <laughs> like they're already done. I give this to you. Like. I give you this day as though you'd already come back a second time in this day, it doesn't even matter. I don't find my security in what I'm doing today. I find my security in you. I give you everyone and everything. Man, there's some people I'm thinking about because I'm stressed out. So I'm getting offended easy. It's real, real hard. I don't like the feeling of offense. It's so gross. It's yuck. But it's one of those things that, Holy Spirit, I don't know how to get rid of it sometimes in my own strength. God, help me think of higher things. God, in this moment, I choose to focus on what you promised. I love that person. God, I pray for their success. You know, you got to do that multiple times throughout the day if you want to thrive. <laughs> you got it. It doesn't have to be long. Just little 60-second pauses. When you wake up in the morning, a thought has to be your first thought. Why not be, Holy Spirit, thank you that you're with me today, that every step I take today is a step done in tandem with the creator of all things and the power that sustains the universe. Whoa. Practicing the presence of God. The end of the day as you're lying in your bed. Some thought has to be your last thought, right? Why not reflecting on the day? I think it was St. Ignatia of Loyola or something like that, some Spanish Catholic priest back in the 14th and 15th centuries. He had this like prayer called the prayer of examine something you do every day in the end, just start reflecting on the day. He started thinking about all the moments where things went well, things didn't. Thinking the moments where he'd been so aware of the presence of God, then the moments where he had been unaware of God at all, so distracted by earthly things. He started to give gratitude for everything. God, I thank you for today. Thank you for my health. Thank you for my job. Thank you for the beautiful city in Nelson. God, I thank you for an amazing church community. God, I thank you just for the beautiful day it was. God, I thank you for those moments where I was aware of your presence. God, I thank you for that divine moment where I was able to share something of love and life with that person because you brought them across my path. God, thank you. You know, you can't think of two things at one time when you're thanking God for that, which you can be gratitude about, grateful for. You can't be thinking about the other stuff. Pick some part of your day and just pray to God out of it. Then finish by thanking God for the day that's about to come tomorrow. We've got to know what it is to practice the presence of God, to be presence of God aware of itself, to know what it is to have souls that are Sabbath rested, souls that know the promises of God because they're listening to the word of God. We don't want to be people that bring a report that cripples those around us with fear. We want to be Caleb's who bring a report because we know what it is to not just look at the problems but to look through the problems and see the promise. Awesome. Well, We hope you enjoyed this message. If you're wondering what the next step in your faith journey looks like, please get in touch with us. Email us at at infoannisbrook.co.nz or visit our website.